Hey, everybody. Welcome to another Playful Humans podcast. I'm your host, Mike Montague with Playful Humans. My guest this week is Janet Almstead. She's a play expert and a health coach. You can find her at JanetAlmstead.com. And she is author of The Playbook. I've got it right here. It's a book about play and it's called The Playbook. It's pretty easy to remember. You can find it wherever books are sold and just go to JanetAlmstead.com. Uh, we'll put the link in the show notes. If you want to find out more about Playful Humans, go to PlayfulHumans.com. You can take a Playful Personality Quiz. You can join the community of other adults rediscovering the power of play. PlayfulHumans.com. Here we go. Don't wait for dancing nicely done uh, on the theme song as you know we like to start with the joke of the week the joke of the week is brought to you by uh the 80s when i think of the 80s i uh think of a boom box but that's just a stereotype but I'm ah! oh ah! i got a new one just finally added 100 shows in we have the drum uh hey! we have the rim shot and i forgot to hit it <laughs> <laughs> all right uh, the actual joke is um what is more amazing than a talking dog? What, Mike, is a more spelling amazing? spelling bee. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. Oh, there, there we it go. is again. Do you, do you have a joke for us? <gasps> yes. Which playing cards are the best dancers? Uh, playing cards as dancers. I have no idea. The king and queen of clubs. Ah, nicely done. There you go. You get, a, you get the laugh. You get the All laugh. Right. All right. <laughs> nicely done, Janet. Uh, welcome to the the show. Let's talk about the book first because I read it the, this week and it's awesome. It's called The Playbook, How to Get in the Habit of Good Health. And I'm so excited to talk to you about it because there's so many different aspects of play. It uh, increases brain function and you smile more and you look attractive and all kinds of good uh, things that happen. But specifically with your physical health, that's your aspect. So can you tell me a little bit about maybe the difference between play and exercise and working out hmm. and, and even sport? Let's start there. Yeah, well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, I actually beg to differ that there is not really a difference between play and exercise. I actually reframe uh, play as exercise. And even though people think they're two different things, I want to encourage people to reconsider that notion. Mostly because uh, what if exercise is was simply the freedom to move your body in a way that brings you joy and feels good and is fun. And I think there's been a, a big disconnect between what people think that they have to do and actually what's available to everyone uh, when it comes to your health. It's not this huge thing that you have to go to a gym and you need an hour and all those pieces that we're kind of marketed to. Um, playing is finding joy and it's part of how our biology, you know, like when we were kids, Mm -hmm. play is just an important part of our development and learning and then it brings a sense of wonder and it makes you feel um a part of something community and inclusion and all those things so um i don't think you know you need to set a lot of 
time for it. I think it could be spontaneous. And I, it's a catalyst for feeling good because when you move your body, you feel good. And when you feel good in the health paradigm, you feel good, you sleep better, you eat better, uh, you manage stress better. It's just a positive spiral for great things. Yeah, I love that. Uh, Peyton Manning, when he was on Saturday Night Live one time, they had a really good joke for him. The The guy's like, wow, you play in the NFL. How much can you bench? And he said, I don't know. I play sports. I'm not trying to be the best at working out. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and I thought, like, that is so awesome. Like, he's trying to win a Super Bowl, not, like, uh, trying to bench. And I feel like so many people, and that's what I meant by exercise, treat it yeah. as, like, a sadistic torture. Like, I have to go to the gym and I have to punish myself on this treadmill or on this machine yeah. versus, like, how do I live my best life and be able to, I love that you talk a lot about functional movement, be able to touch my toes when I'm 80 or, you know, do what I, I need to do, or even just bend over and twist. Like those are, are, uh, things that the human body should be able to do if you're, you're living your best life. Right. Yeah. And it's a practice, right? It's, you know, if you want to be able to expect to have a functional and active life as you age, you have to practice the things that are going to help you do those um, now. And it doesn't have to be this big, hard thing. You know, the functional movements, uh, like you've talked about squatting or sitting down, standing up, that's a squat, right? Um, Going upstairs, that's a lunge. Uh, Or twisting, you know, that's rotation. These are functional movements in the exercise world that people need to understand in everyday life, practicing those movements, whether you do it in a gym or on a park bench, doesn't matter. Um, But the practice needs to be part of, of your world for sure. Yeah. And I think it resonated so much with me because uh, both you and I talk a lot about going back to your childhood and what made you happy. And when I think about the amount of sports and fun I was having just playing soccer and I mean, I'd be running five miles a game or so in a 90 minute uh, nine at soccer game. And I was just moving so much that I could eat two extra value meals at McDonald's and still lose weight for the day, or at least like not gain weight. And that's probably not the healthiest way to eat, but uh, it didn't matter because I was playing and having so much fun. And I had a metabolism of a teenager. Uh, I think you see that with kids too, right? Like they don't, uh, it doesn't really matter what they're doing because they're moving and they're jumping and they're squatting and twisting and all of that stuff uh, so much. But for me, it was really growing up and getting, you know, jobs behind computers and stuff that I, I started sitting a, a lot more. And even when I was DJing in uh, clubs and dancing uh, and stuff, I was still getting, you know, four or five nights a week of physical exercise and moving or standing for four hours and, and dancing. That was enough. But when I stopped that, I really noticed a, a decline in my health. And I was like, I need to do something to get, get back to that. And I, did what I thought everybody else does. Right. I started working out and getting a gym membership and stuff, but I kept falling off the cycle of that. I could do it for a while, but I I never could maintain it. Uh, Could you talk about why that is and, and the plans that you've created to help people just break that whole myth? uh, about? Yeah. You know, you bring up a really good point, Mike, the, there is an actual term called the all or nothing mindset. You know, you're, you set a great goal and you go to the gym and you go for six days in a row and then life happens. Right. And then, um, you either get injured or some, somebody gets sick or you lose your job or something happens. And then the nothing part is every, all the plans you made to put in place to keep you healthy and well, 
go out the window. But I argue that there doesn't have to be an all or nothing uh, mindset because all movement matters. This is what I want people to really understand. You know, you're told you need 60 minutes to work out, but that's a misnomer because uh, that's how trainers get paid by the hour. The only reason, <laughs> and uh, people are always like, what? And I mean, I learned that at a fitness conference from a really, you know, distinguished uh, personality in the fitness world. And I was like, you know, that's a really important piece that the 80% of people that don't move enough to keep healthy need to know, you know, like the fitness world is marketing to the 20% of people that uh, like to move anyway, but it's the 80% of people that need to know you don't need an hour. The bare ass minimum you need, the BAM, mm. like I like to call it in my book. Excuse the word. Can you bleep that out? Like, no, you're good. We oh, can leave it. Okay. It's for adults. Yeah, right. This is yeah. play for adults. <laughs> is um, 20 minutes a day to keep healthy or 22. It's 150 minutes a week of moderate intensity activity. So 20 to let's just call it 20 minutes a day. Um, and it doesn't have to be done all at once. And it doesn't have to be done in the gym. You can take intentional movement breaks. In fact, the longest living people in the world, longest living, so have kept really great health, have never set foot in a gym. They move I think naturally that's so amazing. throughout yeah. the day. You know, they um, garden and then they go for a walk with some friends and then they maybe do a little yoga or some deep breathing. And then they, um, you know, move naturally all throughout the day. So, you know, in our sedentary sitting a lot society, um, if you keep that in mind and are aware of how much you're sitting, then you can actually be really proactive about it. You know, I'm not talking about, you know, getting cut to look a certain way or fit into a right. pair of jeans from when 10 years ago. Right. I'm talking about moving enough for your health. If you, there are programs and experts and lots of people out there that can help people achieve a certain thing. I'm talking about this for health and how important it is to always keep that in mind. Well, I think several things come to mind right there. I want to highlight one thing you said there is some people also don't realize that what, people are doing in magazines or on TV shows, or even like running marathons is not good for your health. People that run more than 25 miles a week are damaging their heart and their body and their muscles and joints because well, they're doing it too much. There's so it's much as yeah. Over stressing mm -hmm. your body right. with exercise. Um, and then I think the other end is the extreme too. You know, if you're sitting all of the time, um, you start creating bad habits uh, with health that I've noticed. Uh, I wanted to highlight what you said there uh, about that. I had a boss say this to me one time and I forgot. I did have the the bleep. Uh, I forgot. Uh, but <laughs> I, <laughs> this is maybe trigger words. I don't know if it's politically correct, but a boss was giving me advice um, that, and she was really healthy. And she mm -hmm. said, Mike, if you want to be uh, fit, don't do what fat people do. Do what fit people do fat people go on diets and they exercise fit people move their body. They eat healthy all of the time and they make smarter choices. And I, it just was like, Oh, you idiot. That's right. Like all of the marketing you see for diets and for exercise. And like you said, personal trainers and stuff is designed for people that are out of shape, not people that are healthy, yeah. healthy people 
don't need medications. Healthy people <laughs> don't need specific exercise programs and, and stuff. They they're getting nutrition through diets and and they're keeping their blood pressure down by not being stressing themselves out, not with a, uh, a pill. And it just makes so much sense to me. I, I think about that with sleep and all kinds of things is that if you're taking a sleeping pill, then you need a stimulant in the morning to wake yourself up and then you need another downer later. And it's just a bad cycle that if you break all of that and let it go and just say, what do I need to be healthy? That's a completely different question, right? Oh, absolutely. So I wanted to ask you one follow-up there. You mentioned Mm -hmm. some of the items and I know in your book, you have a hundred different ways you can work in play and be exercised. Do you have a few of your favorites either personally or what you found other people do instead of maybe, uh, you know, finding a machine or, or a treadmill, what would you recommend? Well, if you take 20 minutes in a day and divide it four times through your day, okay? And let's think of most people who are on devices or on computers, uh, sorry, I meant handheld devices or computers or sitting um, to be setting a timer on your phone. You know, you can set a, uh, I use this one a lot for myself and my clients use this, set a timer for 50 minutes or 45 minutes or however long you can focus for 30 minutes, doesn't matter. And then when your alarm goes off, intentionally pick something to do. Okay, so uh, I actually have a hula hoop. I love to hula hoop. Uh, you could <laughs> I love it. for a couple of minutes. You pick, do something for five minutes. You can uh, go outside. That's a big one. I love to help people understand Me that too. the whole world can be your gym. Um, uh, you can go uh, walk your dog. You could um, do some squats in your chair. Um, the possibilities are endless. That's why I put 150. Uh, ways to play in my book, because uh, if you need 150 minutes a week, you could try one of those every day and it's simple, like keep it simple, that, that and simple, fun and repeatable. Uh, I had a client that loved to skip as a kid, you know, jump rope. And so she bought a really cheap one. And when her alarm went off, she skipped for a few minutes. You do that four times for five minutes there's your 20 minutes of minimum movement for the day. Yeah. I I love that. I think obvious ones uh, that I hear a lot. I love a good dance break. Uh, If I start my day or end my day with it, especially the work day, I feel a lot better. Just put on a song you love to jam to. And you're, you're using a lot of functional movement, like the twisting and stretching. It's a lot for me. It's about stretching and, you know, I don't know how many times you drop it low on your normal day, but you know, it's probably not as much as you should. And then I think uh, what you said too, I love outside and there's something about the ceiling of a room. Like you feel closed in when I go outside and I go for a walk in nature, my brain opens up because now all of a sudden my vision and everything else opens up. We're not focused on this tiny device in front of our face. We have like this infinite space above our head. It really changes your, your perspective and the way you think about things and just fresh air and, and other climate things. Sometimes my wife will, will say things like, um, uh, you know, don't, you know, it might rain out there. And I was like, well, it might rain. I might get wet, but you know what? Like I'm, you know, I'm going like anyway. to say, there's no yeah. bad weather, just bad gear. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I like that too. Well, I have a bald head, so I'm like, well, well it's not going to ruin my hair. <laughs> and I go out there and if I get rained on, I just wipe it off. <laughs> good point. Very good point. Yes. So the fresh, I want to roll it. Hair does a lot. 
Yeah, I want to roll it back for you and talk mm-hmm. about how you found this, because I always find these play uh, stories interesting that either sometimes I feel people were uh, just born a playful person. They were lucky. They stayed fit their whole life and it just it worked for them and they they found it early or like me, they kind of fell off the bandwagon. They became uh, less playful. They had a day job and then they had to kind of rediscover the power of play. So mm. what was it uh, for you? Yeah. So I grew up in a household where uh, healthy behaviors were modeled. You know, it wasn't necessarily that you had to be an athlete. And quite frankly, uh, I remember my dad telling me at one point who was an excellent role model of play. My dad, he had he loved to play lots of different things, had lots of friend groups and did very had a very active lifestyle. Um, But he I remember him telling me once, you know, you are a jack of all trades master of none. And at the time I kind of was like, Oh, I guess that's not a good thing. And then, you know, I recognized over time, I love to try it all. My personal fundamental philosophy is I want to be able to be that person at 90. And my grandkid calls me and says, Hey, Nana, let's go blank. And I can go, absolutely. Let's go, you know, to be able to keep functional and healthy enough to be, to be that, um, like my dad was. So um, anyway, through life and time, my play of choice is running. I've always been a runner and um, Mm. I got into, you know, the health um, coaching and and personal training world um, as a second career. Um, My first career, I worked in television sports for eight years and uh, that was a really exciting uh, adventure in my life and meeting the top athletes in the world is awfully inspiring to see how they actually really live. You know, you put these athletes on a pedestal, um, but they've got it all figured out. Right. And, and they all had really interesting stories and I got to tell those stories, but as I got to meet them and tell their stories, I recognized that um, the thing that they were most passionate about, they got to do for a living. And I am really passionate about play. And so uh, we were living in Europe at the time. And when we came back, I got certified as a trainer. Um, And then I, through 20 years, I've been in this business. Um, I've just slowly but surely channeled in what really, where I can help people the most. And that's why I wrote my book because it needed to come out of my head and onto paper so I could help more people. Cause I really don't believe that, um, it has the inactivity crisis has to be the way it is. Uh, it's, it's got to change and I think I can do it. Yeah. I, there, there's two things there for me. Number one, you said the, one of my least favorite quotes, the Jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah. I get that used in my work environments and corporate environments as yeah. a dig. Most people don't know that's a Shakespeare quote and there's a second line to it. Oh, And the second part of the quote is, but oftentimes better than a master of one yes. because you have this diverse background and diverse skill set. If somebody's good at one thing, and I even found this in sports in my career, right? As I, I might not be the tallest guy or the fastest guy or the most skilled guy, but if I was a nine on all of those, I would always have a weapon to beat my opponents. Right. Mm-hmm. So if I could be faster than somebody that was big, or I could be uh, bigger than somebody that was small and fast that I, in this middle range, I could usually beat people who are a master of one skill because I was a jack of all trades. And I think a lot of people, uh, I love need to hear the second part of that quote. The second thing that you hit was that, um, 
that global crisis uh, of movement, uh, I it kind of goes back to something we already mentioned, but I found that I think the marketing in our society and the culture keeps trying to treat the symptoms and not the cause. So they want to keep giving you more content and keep having you sit in front of the screens or checking your phone. And then they say, oh, by the way, you're depressed. So we'll make a pill for that or we'll help you lose weight. And we'll they want to sell you more stuff to treat the symptoms than just they don't know. What I think most people don't realize is if you set the phone down, you turn off all those advertisements, you unsubscribe from Netflix and Amazon Plus and uh, Apple TV and your cable channels and you turn the TVs off and you go outside, a lot of those problems disappear because they're all made up by our society, but also because the root cause of that is you're not living your life as a human being you're like a, a human consumption mis- machine instead of <laughs> instead yeah. of being you're consuming. Uh, and I know you you feel that same way, but I, I loved in your book. And you can respond to any of that. that, that yeah, you want. no, I was gonna. Up. What I was gonna actually uh, touch upon, and I think it's a very good point that you say. Um, you know, living in the motion of doing, not being, and mm-hmm. where I think we can really wake up and and think on a broader scale here is shaping our environment to help us rather than hinder us. And I know you, I listened to a number of your podcasts and you had the recess expert who was talking about, you know, shaping behavior or having um, setting behaviors uh, as modeling for those who live in your household or even your friend group, right? Like putting your phones in a basket, for example, and just being, you know, um, aware and around and giving yourself the opportunity, but shaping your environment. What I mean by that is um, not only for your phones, but having a supportive environment that's going to help you be successful, in your play pursuit. What does that look like, Mike? Well, it could be uh, the night before, uh, as you're going to bed, put your running shoes by your bed, okay? Even like putting, the act of putting on your running shoes is a motion towards the um, behavior you want to model. Um, Could you also put on your running, I mean, you don't need, put on your play clothes, Mike. Play clothes, right? Put on your play clothes and have set your environment so that you will be successful. What does that look like? Well, you put those play clothes on and the first thing you are going to do is go walk outside for five minutes. That's it. And then come home and you do that consistently uh, over a couple days and then weeks. And there you have a pattern and there you're changing your habit and your behavior. And then you might just want to add something more on like, Every time you, so you go out for your walk and you come home and then you could add on, stack on, I don't know if you've read Atomic Habits, but he, James Clear talks about that, stack on, after you go to the bathroom, could you have a glass of water? So now you're stacking on a healthy behavior, walking first thing in the morning and having an extra glass of water every time you go to the bathroom. And then you're doing that regularly. And a couple weeks after that, could you shape your environment so that you've done your walk for five minutes, you've had your glass of water. And then while your breakfast is cooking, you do one push-up, right? Hmm. BJ Fogg talks about this too in his habit book. Um, so you're just small, small, consistent changes. It's like that, you know, um, uh, compound interest in your bank account. You know, you add 1% more a day and over a year, you have a heck of a lot more return on your investment than if you do nothing. 
So yeah. it's not, it's not impossible. Find what's possible for you. And that's why I wrote the book the way I did is because I didn't want another, write another exercise book. There's lots of those. And I didn't want to write another exercise blog or any of those things. I want people to feel successful the way they can. So it's really a guide book. You know, it's, I'm yeah. the guide and you are the person on the mission to be more playful. Yeah. And I, Obviously, I love all the the play stuff, but I think the way that you approached it with the bare ass minimum <laughs> really helps people understand that it is a momentum thing that totally. if you eat a bacon cheeseburger, you're not going to go feel like running a marathon. But the opposite is also true. If you run a marathon, you're not going to feel like eating a bacon cheeseburger afterwards. <laughs> you're going to feel like a smoothie or, or something else. Like, so yes. I think, and I used a big one, you know, which again is one of the things you talked about, which is great. I need to keep reframing in my mind. It's not about the all or nothing or running a marathon. It's about um, going for a walk. If you go for a walk, you're more likely to have a salad. If you have a salad, you're more likely to go for a walk. And these things build on each other slowly. If you start just making better choices and being more playful. And if you do things that you love, I, I, I think that Big part time. of your book is so crucial too, it is that if you so don't want to go to the gym and you don't want to get sweaty on a treadmill, don't do that. Yes. Please don't do that. <laughs> you're just living a life of misery and life is way too short because there's the world is full of way too many options to, to have a playful day. Like it doesn't yeah. have to be done the way it's marketed. It does not have to be done for everybody. Cause that's where I think the problem lies. Like people just think that that's the way it has to be. And it, it does not have to be like that. Mm -mm. Yeah. So I want to get to know you a little bit better. I'll, I'll share one of mine. I just got back from vacation in San Diego with my nieces and nephews, and there were six kids running around. And in January I had COVID. So I was like laid up and I had to quarantine and I wasn't great. And uh, I couldn't move and I was still at a cough lingering. But when I got out in the sunshine and I started to uh, play around with them, we didn't have to exercise at all there. We're playing in the pool and yeah. we're burning a ton of calories. We were playing on the beach and throwing the Frisbee. Uh, we're running around chasing that thing, even just chasing the kids on the playground or playing tag. Or we went to the zoo when we walked a couple of miles. I'm getting 10 to 15,000 steps just keeping up with, you know, the nine month old to the nine year old and doing things. And so one of my missions has tried to be uh, never say no to somebody who asked me to play. Right. So even if it's my cat, I have Willow here uh, scratching at the door. I can tell when she wants to play and I'll be like, all right, you know, Willow, I can step away from the computer and we can play with the cat toy and I can get on the floor and do that bending and stretching and, and stuff and just keep her interested until she tires out. And as long as I don't say no to people that ask me to play, right. I think I don't even have to be proactive. There's enough people and opportunities in my life. If I look for them to do. Oh, that. absolutely. You know, I don't think play ever has to stop. I think yeah. that's a, a question I get asked a lot too. Like why, why does play have to stop? And I really don't believe it has to, because, you know, um, like taking, taking being an adult, you know, having to get more serious about things and, you know, the whole idea of playing and moving, even though our, our, we get older and our interests change and we have, you know, less time. I get that a lot. Oh, how many time, which we've already mm -hmm. covered. Um, and responsibilities. I get that. Right. But as a kid, our parents used to say, go outside and play. Right. And, and as, a, as an adult, like you just said, when someone says, let's go play, you're like, okay. Right. That, 
that needs to be in our vocabulary more often. It doesn't have to be, let's go work out, Mike. It's like, let's go play. So when I go for a run with someone, I'm like, hey, you guys available to play later today? And how do you want to play? Okay, well, today let's go do this, right? It's available to everybody. And when we rediscover our inner kid, the thing that brings us joy, we give our self permission to have fun. And isn't that the whole point of life? (laughs) Yeah, so I I love it. And that was going to be my last question for you here on this is, do you have a fun bucket list item? Or I know you don't necessarily like uh, what we talked about those big goals and things, but what are you mentioned running a lot? Is there a dream or a vision mission statement that you have for your life that keeps you motivated? Oh, well, I am on a mission to reignite people's passion for play so they can, you know, fight chronic disease and improve their quality of life. But my own, also my own big dream mission is I, I would actually, I really, I mean, it's really not politically right now, the greatest place to go, but I'd love to go walk on the great wall of China. I mean, Uh the fact that somebody built that or like somebody Hmm. years and years, I am a history major. That's my degree. Um, And I just think there's so many cool stories and places to go adventure in different cities. I mean, for a long time, when we were living in Europe, I was, I would run races, even though I'm not a race runner. You know what I mean? I go, it Hmm. was a great way to see a city, you know, go to a city and go for a run and you discover so much about the landscape and the people and, you know, where you want to go back to for coffee or for drinks later, you know, that kind of thing. But yeah, I think there's just the possibilities are endless on the places I'd love to go and the ways I'd like to play, but definitely. Yeah. I like that. Uh, I like those, those dreams and goals and and visions. And I think just having something you're working towards always makes it easier, but doing that in a playful manner, play is supposed to be low stakes. If you put too much stress on it, it becomes adrenaline and it becomes a job. So even people playing sports or or exercising can easily make that work uh, by not enjoying it. So having those dreams and those fun things to chase, I think is always great. Uh, Speaking of which, do you want to play a game? (laughs) Yeah. Let's play a <laughs> All game. Right. Spinning our wheel of games, there are 10 games that it could land on, and you got two truths and a lie. Two truths and a lie uh, is a pretty okay. easy game. You share two fun facts about yourself, one that is made up, and then we try and uh, guess. I was trying to look for some of my new sound effects to add drama to this. All right. Two truths and a lie. Do you want me to go first, or do you want to go first? Uh, I'll go first. Okay. You go. All right. So I say three things, right? Is that right? Yes. All right. Two truths and a lie. Here goes. I love cats. Uh, I have sung in Carnegie Hall on the stage. Mm. And I have tattoos. Oh, wow. Those are three hard ones. Um, I'm going to go with... Carnegie Hall as the lie. No, that's true. Ah, I know it's one of those big ones that was going to be true, but I thought <laughs> since your other ones were things that were reasonable, oh, you might have actually thrown it in there. That's okay. uh, tell us yeah. that really, really quick. And then what was the lie? Oh, um, so really quick. I actually have sung twice on the stage at Carnegie Hall. Um, I'm part of an acapella choir here in Toronto. And uh, awesome. we had the pleasure and um, experience to go down and sing um, uh, in a huge production run by Deke Sharon from, um, oh, what's his movies that he did? Acapella movies. 
Come on, Mike, help me here. Oh, um, I should know that too. It is. Oh, I gotta no, look it up. I don't have it. I can, th- I can think of the girl. The, yeah, the. I'll, the I'll lady. think of it after. Anyway, yeah. yeah, that was really, really spectacular so to what's do that. The and the, um, I don't like cats only because oh. I can't have one. My husband's allergic. I love animals. Yeah. Trust me, but I I have a hy- double hypoallergenic dog, and I can't have a cat. So it's one of those things. Well, we have two hypoallergenic cats because I'm allergic to cats. What? Yes. Uh, Siberians. So I'll, afterwards, I'll share you uh, some pictures. Yeah. They are long hair, but they don't have the protein in their saliva that makes uh, you allergic. Okay, you've opened and, a whole uh, new world for me. Yeah. And my <laughs> wife had two other cats when we met and it was pretty clear when we were dating at some point that it was me or the cats. <laughs> and so I took Claritin for about three years oh. and then uh, I got over that. And then eventually we got new cats. Um, and well, so, okay. so no offense. That. No, no, uh, okay. no. Right. Uh, welcome. Okay. Mine, <laughs> okay. three things. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why it was on my mind today, but I told one of these stories uh, earlier. I got accused of cheating on the ACT exam to get into college. I got accused of cheating on a game show for a question about Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons. Or I got accused of cheating on my psychology test for getting a perfect score. Oh, geez. You don't seem like much of a cheater to me. So I would say maybe the first one, the ACT. The ACT? Uh, No, that one is a true story. Uh, You're right. I'm not much of a a cheater, but it was the psychology uh, (laughs) test was the one that I. Really? I I actually did cheat on the psychology test. I got a copy of it. Oh, before but the teacher used the same test for like four years so it was going around the school i didn't know but i didn't get a perfect score or anything and uh it wasn't me that was accused of cheating it was my friend um so (laughs) the act story is fun though i had mono before i took it the first time and i'm a little uh dyslexic and so the reading section i wasn't feeling good i couldn't finish it i i kind of bombed and got a low score in the teens i don't remember what it was the next time i was feeling better and uh, since I can't read very fast, the story happened to be about something that I already knew. It was about clouds and like, you know, cumulus clouds and yeah, stratospheres yeah. clouds mm-hmm, and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I already knew I just skipped to the end and I answered the questions. I didn't read the article at all. <laughs> and so I got, I scored like 10 points higher and the ACT board called and they said, we have to investigate everybody that jumps 10 points or more because nobody does that. You don't get 30% smarter in a month between the tests. <laughs> and so wow. I explained the story and and they they got it off. It was funny. And oh then the Frankie God. Valley. I opened for Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons uh, as that a DJ so in my cool. DJ days. So I knew this uh, this rare trivia because I was a fan. Uh, but they didn't believe me that at my age I would know anything about Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons. <laughs> <laughs> wow. so that's an awesome. Awesome. Game. Thank you for yeah. playing. You uh, you win. Congratulations again. <laughs> <laughs> you get a free 30 second commercial. I'm enjoying my new sound effects, but I, was I, I need say, to get smoother at doing them. Like a, yeah. uh, <laughs> any asser gives for the audience. I'll take the easy ones. Go check out her book. It's the playbook by Janet Omstead, and you can find it at John Janet Uh, anything else you'd like to ask or give to our audience? 
Uh, just get out and play, find a way to move in a, in a way that makes sense to you and have fun and ask someone to go play together because we all need a little more human connection and we all need a little more fun. So, um, you can download, uh, the first chapter of my book for free on the janetomstead.com forward slash playbook. And, um, there's also some really neat things that, that I have in my book that I have PDFs, um, I don't like to call them worksheets. Yeah. Play yeah. sheets. Uh, play sheets. Yeah. Just to help, you... to help you figure it out. Assessments. <laughs> I call them personal <laughs> assessments. There you go. I, I like it. Janet, thank you so much for being on uh, the show. Thanks and, for having me. Uh, it was so much fun. Uh, I enjoyed talking about it. And now we can go both go move and enjoy our weekend. So if you would like to rediscover the power of play, subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening right now. Send it to a friend that, that needs to hear it. And I think that would be a great way to keep uh, spreading the mission. If you need more information, go to playfulhumans.com. There's a quiz there and some other fun stuff as well. Until next time, go play, everybody. Don't wait for tomorrow. Bye, everybody.